And now for the long-awaited conclusion to episode 4 of The Late Edition. Uh, hello, my name is Helgi, I'm from Iceland. I am just passing through Yakima and thought I'd stop by and pick up some hop. Enjoy listening to The Late Edition. So I want to kind of go back to, I don't know, you guys are very much more adventurous in beer, I would say, as a new brewery, and that's what I admire about you guys. And But I want to know, what is the strangest recipe that you made? Like, what's something you made and you're like, oh God, I don't know. <laughs> well, that kimchi beer was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. The kimchi beer? Well, yeah. There's lactic acid in kimchi, and we like to ferment everything from pickles and yeah. sauerkraut and kimchi to fruit to so he tried putting kimchi juice in our mm, beer to yeah. see if it would sour I made, this was at home I made this, was kimchi. <laughs> this wasn't for <laughs> doing all made kimchi and tried to use some of the brine um, I used a little too, I think if I had used less it would have been good but I used just enough where you kind of got that like there's like fish oil in kimchi that gives yeah. it kind of that mouthfeel like umami or whatever uh, and I think a little bit of that translated too much into the beer. It was turning, of course, I screwed up a good beer. It was like a, a beer I had aged for a while with the Sour Batch kids from Imperial. So it's this mixed culture. Um, and that was gross. And then, <laughs> so who was it? Some brewery near Vancouver does like a weird oh, yeah, beer they, festival yeah. every year. And there was a um, brewery. Right after that. That was submitting a kimchi beer. And I was like, oh. Have you guys no. participated in that? No, or have you just but gone? I saw someone oh, else okay. was doing this kimchi yeah. beer. And I texted. I was like, let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't think it, you know, it's, that was, but I feel like there's some room there to actually develop that. And maybe, maybe, I think what it would come down to is like isolating some of those microbes from the brine and separating it from that like fish oil. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be good. Yeah. We also, um, last fall, had a entirely wild yeast rep beer, and we took five gallons aside, because, like I said, we're still kind of homebrewing. It's yeah. easy enough to pull a carboy off of your tank, right. do something weird with it. We re-fermented it with wine grapes, and then dry-hopped it with Medusa. Oh, guys, yeah. I think. Yeah. And it was the, it was amazing, but it was like a hopped white wine beer no one knew what it was but everyone loved it it huh. was that was one of the first days when we had a beer i think it, that was the first day we had a beer that sold better than the ipa and it was the weirdest beer we'd made since opening would you make it again oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean we we did a lot of these small batches with it's like a bucket's worth of grapes that we yeah. would get from the winery down the street from us but the goal this fall is to really get bulk Mm -hmm. grapes or mm -hmm. must for that matter and do do a lot more of this stuff and the the medusa was was pretty interesting um it was a good not, beer, but not getting paid like not getting paid to say this <laughs> this is not a neo-mexican as advertiser yeah. <laughs> i think we actually cut it with some eldorado maybe a zaka or something but it was predominantly medusa and i don't know the only way i could describe it was just weird 
Yeah. Um, it was good. But it, it in a good way. I think that's what I emailed you before we gave it to you. I'm like, the only thing that I've heard back from brewers was, quote unquote, weird. Yeah. And I, I told, <laughs> I was talking to someone about my plan to do this, another brewer up in the valley here. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you should use 100% Medusa. Yeah. Um, but that was. It tasted great. That was pretty cool. And then, like, we just did this, um, last beer we did we did a raw ale and that was really interesting because we used a lot of toffee malt raw ale yeah so it's basically a a no boil beer one thing i had not heard yet yeah (laughs) it's a no it's a more traditional um, norwegian farmhouse brewing uh, method okay and so basically we just mashed slaughtered it and then you know if you at, at what 45 fahrenheit for 30 minutes is is pasteurization yeah and we didn't get warm enough where we had dms leaching out and so that wasn't an issue and so basically we just watered it sent it into the tank cooled it with the glycol we didn't have to run it through the heat x Mm -hmm. cooled it to like mid 80s and we pitched our culture our mixed culture and so we used that was predominantly mecha grade estate Mm -hmm. malt and we used a lot of their opal 44 which is a toffee malt and the beer like you know we it ripped through fermentation in like a day and a half. Wow. And Got a nice little acidity in there from the yeah. mixed culture. So with the Saison yeast, you can ferment it super warm so that the lacto grows a little bit without mm-hmm. being a kettle sour or anything. That's sort of what we usually do. Um, and it tasted really weird. We, with the toffee and the acid, it was kind of like, like green apples and peanut butter. Like hmm. it was this really mouth coating kind of i don't know this toffee breadiness um and then we dry hopped it it's uh with um Ozaka and uh, idaho seven and it just transformed that beer completely wow and it's really good it really cut through that toffee and it added a lot more interesting fruit profile to it um so that'll be kegged up in, a, in the next week or so but yeah that was like that was pretty cool and and honestly we didn't set out to make a raw ale but the float switch in the kettle was askew, and so the kettle wouldn't turn on. Because he had just cleaned it, like, took everything And you don't want to dump it. it. And well, we could have <laughs> sent it, like, back. Could have cleaned the mash tun, sent it back in there, figured yeah. out what was going on. But um, I just... When an opportunity presents itself. Yeah. Pretty we had much. just listened to this podcast about Norwegian farm brewers and how they would make these raw ales. Mm-hmm. And so we'd heard someone discuss it, like, the week before. And then when this happened, we are like... All right. Yeah, let's do it. Go okay. with it. <laughs> Don't see why not. Now's the time. Yeah. So that was, that was fun and it's turning out pretty good. Are there any recipes or brewing techniques that you've seen or heard about that are so out there that you guys wouldn't try them or would you be open to basically anything? Uh, within reason. I mean, I don't, I can't really think of anything. I want to do more like, um, mid-fermentation hop additions we haven't yeah we're gonna do one i know it's not (laughs) well now it's not crazy i mean depends who you talk to but a lot of people are doing that now we're gonna do that with this beer making on monday the trapdoor gonna do a wild ipa i think something that a lot of other breweries do that we wouldn't do that i find strange Mm -hmm. is that we always try to use ingredients that we can get locally and in season and so the idea of getting like a puree of like mango and passion fruit Spears are great, but it doesn't make any sense with where we live. Right. And so that's like a very common thing that tons of people do. And that's fine. But 
being so close to all of these farms and orchards, it's like, why bother? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't plan. So I'm not really interested in doing that, even though that is yeah. totally normal and accepted. Mm-hmm. We didn't really plan well enough and stock up on fruit last fall, put it in the freezer. <laughs> we were opening. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not going on. We'll probably be a little better about that this year. But the goal right now, the intent, I should say, is is only to use local fruit that's in season. You know, and um, we opened like the week cherries stopped, so we were kind of missed <laughs> out on that. So, right. Um, and we say yeah. that now, and that might change. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's at least kind of the goal. And I always find it's a lot easier to be creative when you have a set of constraints. Mm-hmm. What do I do with what I've got? Yeah. It's a lot trickier when you have anything possible. Mm-hmm. But it's more, I mean, you guys are brewing that's reflective of mm-hmm. your location and yeah. where you're at. And we want to do more foraged beers, more with, you know, plants and herbs that we find. Uh, we'll probably do a yarrow beer, um, yeah. In the in once yarrow starts springing up in the next couple months, and the way we've done that so far is to make syrups to add to the beers. It's a lot mm-hmm. easier to make a small batch of syrup with the forage ingredient than to do you know a seven barrel batch. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have a beer that's inspired by a Berliner Weisse, and every week I make a different syrup. So we had peaches from Hood River one week, and I did grapefruit and fur tips. I realize grapefruits don't go grow in Golden Tail, but yeah. <laughs> grapefruits great. I don't know. The fur know. tips were good <laughs> there, and then uh, yeah, I have a bunch of yarrow saved up and local honey, so that's a fun way to try it out. Yeah, I think I mean there's no like technique that's like well I'd never do that. I mean there's just certain beers that we're just not interested in making, mm-hmm. or if we do, if we do like we're gonna try to put our own spin on it. You yeah. Know? When we opened in August, I remember a bunch of people said like, do you have a dark beer and I hadn't made one because it was July and August when mm-hmm. I was brewing, and but that was a lot of people's mindsets. Like they categorize things light and dark beer, and but anyway, this guy wanted a dark beer. A bunch of people did, so we made dark saison. But we kind of did it, you know, with our mixed culture, and it was even kind of weird. But you milk know. stout right now used the saison yeast, but at a more restrained temperature, and so. We intentionally use the diastaticus yeah. yeast in our milk stout. Yes. Where is it? <laughs> Sometimes it infects other people's, and they don't want it to, but we actually did that on purpose. Yeah. But it's got this really interesting kind of fruitiness in the background from fermenting it warm with that saison culture. So we uh, try to listen to what people want, you know, because they're your customers, and they're going to buy your beer, but we do it our way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a good balance, because mm-hmm. some people, I feel like it's kind of like more of an old school business approach with like well i'm just gonna give the customers what they want that's right you you can't tell the customers what they want it's like well i mean you can still you know be true to a certain set of principles or the way you like to do things and and find a balance there that too yeah yeah. so i mean i mean good beer is good beer is good beer right so if you have good beer they will follow Mm them yeah yeah so that's sort of our approach. Like, I don't want to make like a brown ale or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Even the amber we did was more of a farmhouse amber, sort of within this, like a beer to guard, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, they drank it up. They said the word <laughs> amber. Faster than I thought. All we had to do is say the word amber. People bought it. <laughs> are there know. any pipe dreams you guys are looking to make a reality here in the next five years? Anything? Well, we've got like 32 barrels filled. Hopefully, I mean, it's been cold in the brewery, so the kind of microbial activity's been yeah. minimal. So we're hoping we're going to see a lot more de- flavor development this summer, and you know, uh, 
we really want to build up that barrel program even more and start bottling that beer when it's ready. And we're looking, we're sort of in the early stages of sort of expanding planning for it. Our, <laughs> yeah. our brewery space, mostly to accommodate wood, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, we might upgrade and get some bigger tanks. But the, the goal is always to make our Goldendale tasting room a destination to get people yeah. out here. We're not mm-hmm. trying to become a uh, distribution brewery. We're more interested, we've kind of come to realize, in growing horizontally rather than yeah. vertically and bigger and bigger. And so the more parts of the process that we can know the people or be involved, the better, or help other businesses start in the area. We have tons of wheat and barley that's grown in the valley near us, and there's no way to malt it. And so that's something we'd really love to do in the next few years is either set up like a small garage malting thing where we can, in town, where we can at least do a couple batches a year and have a beer that's entirely from Goldendale. Yeah. It's not more than that. It's great using the local grain that we do from down in Madras, but we want to try and do as much as we can and help other people in the area get those businesses going too. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And we started our own distribution company in Oregon since the, Oregon doesn't let us self-distribute there and we didn't want to work with a wholesaler, so we made our own wholesale company. Oregon won't let you self-distribute nope. if you're nope. from Washington? Washington yeah. lets Oregon breweries self-distribute, Yeah, but it's not reciprocal. So Mr. Huh. Lawyer over here set it up for us for free. Yeah. <laughs> and the, we go. sort of would like to build that up as a uh, separate business, mm-hmm. but I mean, we'll see. Again, we're not really trying to, we're just trying to distribute enough to get people to come to us. Right. So, um, but being able to have our beer and more accounts in the gorge um, is what we want to do. But most of the accounts on the Washington side are just breweries. Mm-hmm. So being able to go to the Dalles and Hood River uh, is, is going to be important for us. And so we're, that's. And how we're busy. is your connection oh, with the gorge and Hood River and the Dalles? Are you seeing more people come to you? Yeah. That, like on. It's, it's yeah. tough. I mean, you know, so a lot of gorge Even tourism. You're a little bit out, you're a little bit outside of the gorge though. Right. It's it's tough. Our yeah. sign or our city's sign says Gateway to the Gorge. Yeah, just like Camus does. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're like ten minutes up the hill from the river, so. Right. It's it's, you know, a lot of people in Portland and Vancouver go out through the Columbia River Gorge, you know, to do yeah. touristy stuff. Not many people make it east of Hood River White Salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know, that's a good. So that's like an hour, or so from Portland, Vancouver. You know, so then we're another forty-five minutes past that. Uh, it's, it's hard to get people out there, but we're in this organization called the Breweries in the Gorge. It's a group of 13 breweries uh, extending as far east as us and going as far west as Thunder Island and Cascade Locks, Oregon. And we're sort of a guild of sorts, uh, mostly to promote tourism and yeah. economic development. And we have a map with a passport type program. Um, currently serving as the president for this calendar year and really the goal is to try to again promote people coming out to the gorge to drink beer mm-hmm. um, and selfishly to try to get people past Head River White Salmon to come to us. Um, we do have tons of wine tourism out by us there's a lot of that when you oh, get past yeah, Hood River and Mary White Hill's Salmon. not too far away. No. And so <laughs> There's always one person in the group who doesn't like wine or wants a beer. And <laughs> yeah. so I, th- it'll be interesting seeing this summer. But I know there's a lot of tourism in the area that's related to alcohol already. Mm-hmm. So why not throw in beer as something extra? <laughs> and there's actually a bill in, the, in Olympia in the, in the Senate right now 
that would allow microbrewery licensees such as ourselves to be able to sell wine by the glass. And so we're really hoping that that could make its way yeah. into law because that would be really big for us. I mean, we really want to be able to curate local wine, be able to mm -hmm. pull some of that wine tourism traffic to our tasting room. And, and part of the reason is, other than just you know being able to make more money or being able to have wine in the inventory uh, and support local wine, is to be able to sh then curate a wine selection that up against the sort of beer wine hybrids that we do to kind of show people that don't wine drinkers that think they don't like beer that there's types of beers that are a lot more wine like and mm -hmm. that they probably would like so I, I would really like that opportunity so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah so what i guess is the obvious question that you guys probably get all the time what is the work dynamic of as husband and wife starting a brewery <laughs> we i think we do it pretty well yeah we I, actually, I worked at a law firm Justin worked at in Chicago, so we'd previously worked okay. in the same so you have worked together and done that quite a lot. And Yeah, we tested the waters, but yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right. No, um, we each kind of have our own things that we're in charge of, but we can both step in and help or offer advice or be a sounding board for the other person. Mm -hmm. So Justin's in charge of the brewery, but every once in a while I'll help you know, with the flavor profile for what hops should he pick? Or I'll be right. like, oh, a beer like this would be cool. And then he goes and makes a great recipe. And I'm like, good job. <laughs> you know, and he goes out and does sales and I do the tasting room and most of the office work, but we share a lot of it. And you have the same and goal. Right now it's just us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're starting to hire some people for the tasting room for the summer. I'm trying to bring in someone to help me bid in the brewery, someone who can also step in to do sales. But I mean, it's been just us. And so we're doing everything. Yeah. And it's it's good because we both know how to do everything so we can again step in for each other, but it's just good to know everything that goes on and I mean we and and I for whatever reason we you know work well together. We don't like step on each other's toes or like <laughs> a lot of married couples would be like couldn't stand it. Yeah. But yeah. we it's great. Yeah. We're used to spending most of the time together. <laughs> what advice would you give the couples that would be hesitant to start a business with their partner? Well, if they're hesitant, then they probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, not hesitant, but like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the right word. I, other people questioned us about that, but I don't think we ever questioned being able to work yeah. together. You know, it's, just... it's as the business has developed from like the business planning stages and the various aspects of that, from, you know, business plan writing and research to, you know, we served as our own general contractors, you know, to overseeing all that stuff to actually running it, I mean, your roles change because the roles evolve mm. as the business evolves. And, and I, it's important to have defined roles. You do this, I do this. And I mean, we never really sat down and said that to each other. It was just like, okay, you're gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. But knowing what's entailed for both those things, I think yeah. is important because like I'll joke and say, oh, well, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. Just talk to Jocelyn. Um, <laughs> mostly because I don't want to deal with something. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I don't know, I've talked to brewery owners, 
and a lot of times, you know, I'll get this line from the brewer that's like, I just brew the beer. I don't know anything else. And it's like, okay, well, there's one thing if you're just the brewer and you're getting paid to brew beer. Right. But if you're like a part owner, you, you need to know every single thing that's going on with your business. You don't have to be involved with all that. You have or, to be aware. But you have to know yeah. about that and, and you know, m- maybe have an opinion about it at least. But, <laughs> like, I think you just got to find that, that dynamic, you know, what works best for you you know who's doing what um so you don't step on each other's toes and and that obviously i mean if you're a couple having you know trusting the the work that the other person's going to do you know they're going to do it right and knowing when you know you need to put your heads together and make a decision together versus okay knowing okay no that person's like you're delegating right like they're going to deal with that if they want my input they'll ask me but Mm -hmm. i don't need to like micromanage them right you know i mean i still like in starting to try to hire people getting ready to delegate mm-hmm. and that's i'm like both fearful and excited about that but it's inevitable i think it's really helpful that we're both entirely invested in this and we'll do the work until it's done yeah when you have an employee or you know, other people maybe it's well i'm done for the day so whatever mm-hmm. it'll get done later and for us that's not the issue and then it's also <laughs> not a thing of like one of us being resentful of the other one for being at work so much mm-hmm. or not understanding that this is important we're both yeah. entirely committed yeah like, and you have the same goals and the got, same vision I got so it's sick easier like two weeks ago and i was like in bed all day and jocelyn was so mad at me that i got the, that I got the day off <laughs> no and then i was like i know i know it's funny though and i was talking to someone uh, a candidate uh, like last week over the phone um, and he was like, well, what are the hours? And I was like, whoa, I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> like, I don't know. You when come things in, get done? Yeah, like, I don't you know. You come in, you do the work, and when it's done, you go home? Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I could see that being a good thing compared to, you know, one spouse being involved in a project that's this time-consuming, especially starting off and for this winter, just being the two oh, of yeah. us. Like, that's knowing that we're going to do what needs to get done is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I've heard stories about people that open breweries and, you know, spent zero time with their significant other during that period of time, and it really hurt or straight up destroyed their relationship, you know. But when you're both have the same goals, mm-hmm. you know, then that's very different, and I think you figure out a way to, to make it work, yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone that's thinking of starting their own brewery? Don't do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's what, that's I what mean, people always say. Like Washington we, doesn't have enough, but no, no. Eh. we tried to talk to as many friends or introduce ourselves to as many brewers as we could and find out what they had done. And the biggest thing was learning what not to do. Yeah. Every building, every brewery, every team has its quirks. And well, why do you do it that way? Because this thing went wrong, or because the building had this, or because this person had to be there. And finding out what those what to learning from other people's mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's the best thing I think you can do. The the two law firms I worked for were absolutely run by the worst people ever. And so I got from a biz, running a business like initially like a really good insight on like how not to like run a business and treat employees mm-hmm. and treat other people. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for a brewery that was great but is not around anymore for for a lot of reasons that I still think about all the time, you know, about how what went wrong and and just 
being able to like understand like what Jocelyn said, like what not to do. Right. Because everyone knows how to make beer. And I mean, you probably, if you're thinking about making a brewery, you probably, at least your friends tell you, make good beer. You know? Um, but just because you make good beer doesn't mean you can run a business. Very and true. Similar to his experiences, I did a lot of temp work after grad school, and so I saw an extremely wide variety of businesses from a day to a week to a couple months. Mm-hmm. All sorts of different types of businesses in different places in the city and seeing how they were run that was interesting too yeah it's you know and it's not just like oh what does their tap room look like oh i would do that differently i would put uh black grout instead of white grout in the tire <laughs> tiles or whatever no like sure those things matter you know and and, and i remember i've sat with people in our tasting room that were opening their brewery and, and they were like picking apart and i do that all the time i go oh, yeah. to places and i'm like why did they do that you know, but it's those other things like running your business internally, being you know being organized and making smart decisions, like being you know figuring out what your priorities are. What's the most important? It might yeah. be cool to do this one thing, and it might be fun, and it might yeah. get you some attention. But is that actually best for your business right now? Right. So we tried the whole time we were planning to plan. We tried to start and like dream as big as we could. What would we want this to look like? And then pare it down to what was the most basic, absolutely necessary, but plan for those other projects to happen later so we weren't tearing out a wall or doing construction six months after opening. Right. Because how do we find the necessities and then plan for all of those other things to happen? I mean, so much business, especially in this industry, is built and leveraged on debt. And, you know, if you have the if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can minimize that i mean that is that is critical because uh, and and not i mean and, and then not growing so fast where you mm. you pay for all this growth through debt and yeah. then you're always behind the eight ball i think a lot of breweries are in that position right now and so i'm i mean i'm no um i'm no like expert on this but you know, and because we've only been open six months, but a thing we think about all the time is things we want to do to grow, but doing it in a way that, it you know, is good for us. From a or you know, is that necessary right now? Do we need to spend two or three thousand dollars on this project, or can we wait four months until we have money in the summer, or yeah. can we turn it into a bigger deal so we make money off of it? This is necessary, but it's not going to make us money. That thing will make us money. How do you plan throughout the year? and for what mm-hmm. just because maybe you have the extra money in your bank does that mean you should spend it in december going into the winter probably not <laughs> <laughs> can you plan to do that come april sure yeah i think the other advice other than that sort of internal business stuff is that how you present yourself to other people not just in the brewing community but the community that you're part of like your town your city other mm-hmm. business owners yeah um i think a lot of people don't think about that very often and I remember one of the like the first time we ever came up to Yakima actually and met with some folks um, and they said oh this is hop industries are relationship based business well sure every business is on a certain level mm-hmm. but that's the it sort of translated to we were able to develop certain relationships so like when fresh hop season called someone actually made the time to take me to get a measly 50 pounds of hops Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like when I was filling my bag, there was another brewery there 
from the west side of the state that was getting like 4,000 pounds. So I'm <laughs> nothing, you know? And and so, you know, like that, it sort of like made sense on, you know, that was a really like early on example where I was like, I get it. You know, it's how you, you really need to treat other people well. We're here sitting talking to you today. Yeah. What have we done in six months of being open? I don't know. <laughs> We're making our way through a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. We're figuring it out as we go, but having those relationships can, it makes it more fun. Yeah, it does. And it's more interesting, and I think it helps everyone. Yeah. But yeah, I would think say, I, I don't believe that people should not open breweries. I think people should. Um, but I'm biased. Like, we didn't want to be another IPA brewery. Mm-hmm. Sure. If that's your thing, go for it. But I, I think, based on the number of breweries that there are today, that there's it's critical that new breweries distinguish themselves in the marketplace yeah. so they can create that differentiation. And I think, as we're seeing this shift towards, you know, own-premise uh, distribution, that you need to f- carve out, a, like, a, a community space for wherever you're going to be because that's where... Yeah. I think that's where we're going to see breweries being able to th- thrive in the future. It's not going to be on, you know, with a canning line in a grocery store. It's going to be through having this community-driven environment, you know, where you can sell out of your front door your beer, but also foster a sense of community because that's what people are going to seek out, you yeah. know. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> and that's just, and I think it's somewhat Washington-specific. I yes. don't. We we have the second most number of breweries. Mm-hmm. We're like three eighty-ish now. Yeah. Um, and that's because of the laws here and being able to have a small community brewery that's not dependent on distribution. Right. That's, that's where there's a lot better. more room for growth. Mm-hmm. Is having those community places. I mean, there's bars everywhere. No one says, "Oh, Seattle has too many bars." Right. They say, "I can't believe how many breweries Seattle has." Yeah. But you can have a bar, you know, in every neighborhood or every corner, two on a block, and no one thinks that's too much. So if you can make that community space, maybe it means being on a smaller scale, there's still tons of room for that, I think. Mm-hmm. But also don't go too small. Because <laughs> then your labor is going to outweigh, like, everything oh, else Oh, yeah, for quick. sure. Yeah. So I so, see that happen uh-huh. as well, even yeah. in town. <laughs> yep. So just do lots of research. Talk yeah. to lots of people. Figure out what works for you. There's no mm-hmm. one way to do it. No, for sure. And, you know, reach out to us if, you, if you're listening. <laughs> no. Back to hops. Are you hops you're exciting about right now? Um, Any hops that interest you right now? I have to talk about hops. I just well, got this a, is a hop podcast. I just got a bunch of free ones. No, I'm just kidding. Those are interesting. <laughs> yeah. the, um, uh, we use a lot of aged hops in most of our beers. Well, it's fun to, to allow the lacto culture <laughs> yeah, to grow. We yeah. keep the, you know, we use just enough hops for it to be legally beer. I actually don't think it's legally beer. Um, don't tell you. Um, <laughs> I thought you just had to put hops in it. Someone's like, no, the TDB says you have to put like X amount of hops per gallon. So we we mash with these like eight roll Willamettes that we got. Mm-hmm. And then we'll often dry hop. And then so dry it's hop. Skipping all the bitterness and getting most getting of all the flavor. flavor. Yeah. I mean, uh, I really shark like. Jump was crazy. Yeah, we talk about weird beers. Yeah, we did this <laughs> really, really hoppy kind of New Englandy hoppy um, beer with with uh, Seth down at Mecca Grade. It was sort of like a half that was the equivalent of six pounds per barrel um, that we did like Calypso, Hollertau Blanc, and oh, Enigma. Yeah. And you guys kind of tricked me there because you gave me some <laughs> of this Enigma to try out, and it's amazing. And it's but it's pretty expensive. 
<laughs> so I was like, good one, guys. Um, yeah. Now I want this hop. I really. <laughs> That's what I, happens when it makes that trek across the water. Yeah. It just, I know. The cost just goes up. <laughs> um, we're doing this um, wild IPA with Trapdoor on Monday. And I say wild because it's, it's this mixed culture. It's like a wild sack strain, also known like the sac a trois. Uh, a Brett strain, mm-hmm. um, and then a the, the regular just sack strain. So, and then we're we're doing like Motueka, Galaxy, and Citra in that dry hop. That should be pretty cool. Oh yeah. But I really like. Um, I found this really nice trifecta with Eldorado, Idaho Seven, and Azaka work really well together. It's so they sort of like balance each other out really well. So I I really like that <laughs> Idaho Seven and and Azaka. What did we use? With- Brothers Cascadia. Oh yeah, so we did this cool beer that we that uh, we went over to Brothers Cascadia in Vancouver and did a dry hop sour, live culture. We're dry hopping with Rakao, if that's how you say it. <laughs> I think so, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, that's man. a good one. Vic Secret. Oh yeah. And a third Southern Hemisphere. Was it? Is it New Zealand? I can't remember now what the third one was, but they said it's pretty awesome. Haven't tried it yet. Yeah, we just brewed it, but <laughs> yeah, they said it's coming along quite well. But I mean, so we try to like work with hops that are from the valley here. I mean, yeah, these are fun to play around the Southern Hemisphere hops, um, and especially for the collaborations or people in Vancouver trying to find the new thing or do something yeah. special because we're combining forces. But for most of the stuff in the brewery, we stick with hops. That also, are most here. of them are great IPA yeah. hops, super yeah. interesting and a lot different than what the valley has i guess so it's yeah, yeah and it's on trend as well <laughs> and i'm gonna play around more with the neo-mexicana stuff i just mm-hmm. haven't had had a chance and some other hops i'd like to try out but it just we'll get around to it oh yeah it's only been six months right <laughs> i know right i want to find that next best hop yeah that's what i want hop i haven't had yet yeah <laughs> well thank you guys for coming in thank you very much for your time um if you'd like to give us some sort of social media plugs that way the listeners can find you uh, sure. through instagram or facebook where can we follow you at you can follow us on twitter i don't really we use it that. no don't twitter. <laughs> avoid twitter <laughs> um i only tweet it in the early morning hours <laughs> we are on facebook obviously at i don't know it's like facebook.com slash country ales country ales yeah. and then country ales.com yeah and we're on uh, Instagram, I think it's at Dwinell Country Ales, the whole thing. Yeah. Someone took Country Ales on Instagram for some reason. They did? Yeah, who's... Yeah. If you're listening... No. <laughs> we would like to make an offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but I'll make sure to let them know to keep a lookout for some more beer updates. Yeah. and Totally. Yeah. You can find our beer in Vancouver and Yakima and throughout the Columbia River Gorge <laughs> in both Oregon and Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys, visit us. No. thank you again for coming in to visit. Yeah, thanks for having <laughs> us. Hope you enjoyed the pizza. It was Great awesome. beers. Thanks. All right, signing off. Well, that just about does it here for this episode of the late edition. Thank you, Hannah, for hosting that. Thank you, Justin and Jocelyn. That was a lot of fun to listen to. Thank you, Steve, for the music. Awesome as always. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate all the support.
look forward to a really fun interview coming up soon with the owner of CLS Farms, Eric. He's the brains behind El Dorado, Medusa, the upcoming Neo-Mexicana variety, Zappa. Talk to you later. Bye.